here in Web3, it's like, it's really iron sharpens iron, all, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, we're just, you know, when we talk about what we're building, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a group effort that, you know, for our own success to build careers as sustainable filmmakers. And it's a special feeling to find people that, I mean, that, that, that are more, I, I will mention the people that I've worked with, you know, in this space more than my own stuff, because like, that's the level of talent that's coming together in this space. And it's not just people, I, I don't want to badmouth anyone say, it's not just people with, with, with cell phones. I, I, I don't mean to sound that way, but it's like, but these are people that have tried to have careers as filmmakers for many, many years. And a lot of them, you know, uh, whether it be because of, of race, gender, uh, uh, financial considerations, have just not gotten the opportunities, you know, in legacy filmmaking to make a feature film or to have their voice heard. And so we've all found ourselves in Web3 with a new avenue, you know, building a new vertical, as Jordan said many, many times, that didn't exist before. And a lot of people are resistant to it, and a lot of people don't want to play ball. And if you don't want to play ball, that's fine. If you don't think that this is digital ownership, if you don't think this is like a real thing, if you want to right-click save, like, knock yourself out. I'm not going to let pirates and nefarious actors and gatekeepers, you know, define what this space is for us. You know, those days are over. You know, so like if you don't want to play ball and 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 get into Web3 and what it's all about, that's totally fine. I got no problem with that. Um, like I'm still because of legacy filmmaking, very competitive. So like I'll happily, uh, you know, take less people in this space, you know, than more. But the ones that are here, you know, have a different mindset, a different attitude that just continually blows my mind because it's what I wanted in 2018 when my career leveled up. And, and like I said, our iron sharpens iron and all the talent that's in this space that we're just all working together to lift, our, lift ourselves up and make, you know, and push the work forward. I've always spoken about this. Like it's all, it's not just meant to like have fun in crypto bucks land and like, you know, walk around with cartoon apes and stuff. It's more than that. Certainly more than that for me. You know, it, it, it's 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 something completely different. And to see the like the collection of talent, this is what I always wanted. So I feel like I belong here. Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. My name is Matt Silverman, and please remember my NFT project, The Sherwood Project, is on public sale June 15th. We're searching for an artist, we're making a film, and so much more. So head over to thesherwoodproject.com for more info. Today's guest is an award-winning filmmaker who is helping bridge the gap from traditional Hollywood filmmaking into Web3, my favorite kind of guest, Jason Charnick. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm trying. We're trying. You know, you're building uh, so many different things here, and I'm excited to dig into all of them. And what's funny is I feel like your projects are, are sort of similar to what I'm building, and in traditional L.A. Hollywood filmmaking production, I would consider that a threat. But with sure. Web3, I don't. For, and I don't know if it's because the infrastructure is so new, but I'm, I'm beyond excited to meet other filmmakers who are doing this kind of thing because it, it's so fresh, it's so new, and, and we're building it as we go. And it's, and it's vital that um, I connect with people like yourself to say, you know, let's, let's build this together. Even if we're on separate oh, yeah. projects, let's build it together as opposed oh, yeah. to 
um, the sort of uh, insidious competition in in normal Hollywood filmmaking. <laughs> right, right. I call it legacy filmmaking. It, it, I mean, when, independent filmmakers have forever been fighting for a limited number of film festival spots. Uh, you know, limited uh, distribution opportunities, even with, you know, the, the, the upswing of streaming and VOD over, you know, the last decade, there's been more avenues than ever before, but it's still limited because there's been more filmmakers than ever before. The cost of, you know, uh, iPhone filmmaking even has, has made quality increase and cost decrease. So there's just been more content you know, in the world over the last few years. So even though the, the opportunities have kind of grown a little bit, the, the sheer number of people making the content has grown, you know, exponentially more than that. So it, 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 it's, it just is a competition just by the nature of the beast. And Web3 has been a very different experience for me. It has been very collaborative in that way, much like filmmaking. We'll dig into all of it. It is funny what you're saying, because when I think of or I hear about reading um, filmmakers from the 90s or, or earlier, you know, it was always a struggle like you had to get film and you had to know how to use a camera and in some ways there's more opportunity than ever you can be by yourself with your iphone and film a movie um but yet it also does seem to be that there's more opportunity than ever but it's harder than ever to uh break through the noise the opportunities have grown but like the number of people creating it's grown even more than that so like it's tough to keep up and and it's just made uh, you know, it's just made trying to build a sustainable career as a filmmaker uh, almost impossible. And that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm here in Web3 is to try to build, a, you know, a sustainable career for myself, but like also b help build out this infrastructure as early as, you know, we are, you know, that, that'll create these opportunities for other people as well is, is the goal. 100%. I'm on the front lines with you. So it's it's exciting to talk to you. Um, yeah, let's sure. start though with legacy filmmaking. So you, you've been in the industry for over 25 years. Uh, <laughs> I think we, I, yeah. well, you tell me where to start, but maybe with happy Madison. I worked for, uh, I'm a post supervisor by day. I worked for uh, a, a company called framework studio. That's a part of the happy Madison family. Um, one of the wonderful things that, uh, Adam Sandler has done with happy Madison over, uh, you know, the, the past 15, 20 years is have other companies that do other, you know, parts of the production. So my company framework does all their main titles. And then there's another company that does, you know, the poster work and stuff all in conjunction with the studio. Um, but you know, happy Madison has all these, you know, little, little uh, subsidiary is not really the word, but like partner companies and sister companies, Satellite that, companies that work on their stuff. Yeah. yeah like that. And I started working for them back in 2006. Um, I have been I have been around the block, I guess. Um, I started in I graduated from college in '97. Yeah, you know, I don't want to blast through the last you know 25 years of my bio, um, but I've been an editor and a filmmaker, independent filmmaker in this business, you know, for the last 25 years. Like I said, but yeah, working for Happy Madison since about 2006. I left them in 2017 to finish my feature film, Getting Over. That played at South by Southwest in 2018. And actually, because I had such a good relationship um, with Framework um, and the Happy Madison team, that they just brought me back, even after a five-year hiatus um, of, of doing like independent film work, they just brought me back in January because um, they're, you know, the, the company I was part of is, is growing. So they brought me back in for that, which has been exciting. So I've been working on uh, some ESPN spots lately that, that have been on, which is pretty cool. And 
just getting back into the you know into the the studio mix a little bit which is which helps balance out my nft stuff because i see firsthand you know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff not you know, i can't give out any specifics obviously but i i see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff of hollywood and studio marketing and it's wildly different from you know what we're experiencing in the nft world right now oh i'm sure and i do want to talk about getting over and i want to hear about the evolution of that project and, sure. and um, the production and everything but even before we get there maybe without going over the the whole 25 years what do you think what was your ex general experience in in and i like the term legacy filmmaking what was your general experience there that sort of what is the before and after if web 3 is the after what was mm -hmm. the before, you know, what was your experience that led you to say, you know, things can be done better, things can be done. Right. And, and how do you reconcile this new Web3 um, revolution with like, we're not saying we're not, at least I'm not anti Hollywood and I love Hollywood right. and I work in Hollywood and Hollywood's not going Web3 or not. Hollywood's not going anywhere. I mean, we're not putting them out of business. And this is sort of a competition to it in, a, in some ways, Web3, so that we have to reconcile that. So how do you so I guess the first question is, what what did you see going on in your in your experience that led you to Web3? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, certainly. Um what I've been doing, you know, in in the day job uh, over the last fifteen years has been specifically Hollywood marketing, um, not working on the films themselves, but with the studio marketing departments, and they are solely they do their job is to maximize the amount of money that their product, the film, makes. And that includes, you know, and it's not just, uh, you know, North American marketing, it's international marketing. There's there's spots that we do that air and, you know, in theaters and on TV all around the world. And their sole job is to create profit for the studio. That's not really my bag. My I like profits. Great. I love to be able to pay my mortgage. Um, but uh, and it took me a very long time to come to the realization that I am an artist um, I've never really, you know, that 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 comes in into play because I never really felt uh, like I was given permission growing up. Not that anyone said that I couldn't, but I never really had a voice that said I could, you know, pre, uh, you know, pursue a, a creative endeavor like like being a filmmaker. And it came to me a little bit later in life. Um, so I've seen the Hollywood money making apparatus and how that works. And I've also seen, as a micro-budget filmmaker at heart, um, I've seen how the independent world works. You know, with getting over, uh, I, I it kind of you know stepped up my career as an indie filmmaker. I, you know, it, I got into South by Southwest very you know very luckily. Um, you know, they 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 say you can't you know get into one of those big festivals you know without having some sort of in or some sort. Of, I was a complete blind submission. I tell this story every Amazing. time anyone asks me. Complete Amazing. blind submission, self-funded. I mean, I had a Kickstarter and Indiegogo, small ones that only raised like five, six thousand dollars each. Um, you know, and everything else was self-funded, and 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 we we scraped it together, and we won the lottery, and it kind of leveled me up, and we we eventually got distribution, um, which was exciting. Um, but I've I've seen you know as that micro-budget filmmaker try to break trying to break through i've seen the gatekeepers which is why like it's so crazy to me like like we talk about the gatekeepers so often and and, and like 
Somebody like left the, the, the back door open for like five minutes. You know, like, like they left the back gate open while the party was going on. And like somehow I snuck through the back door. You know, like it, it, I know it doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. I'm proof of it. But I have also seen better films than mine, like not get those opportunities. I'm working on a documentary now um, with someone up in Portland uh, about the uh, the Portland riots that were, or, or, or you know, just everything that was going on a couple of years ago up there, and it's a fine documentary. It's an absolutely fine film, but you know, it, it hasn't uh, had much you know festival success yet because it's it's a hot it's a hot topic. I mean, it's really what it is. But like, I've I've seen and worked on movies that are like good movies that have not been able to crack through that that the, you know the, that big metal gate <laughs> you know that 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 they're, that they're guarding for some reason so i've kind of had uh, a view of many different facets of the industry over the years that have all kind of you know and now that i'm i'm i've been involved in it for a while like i i feel like it was always pushing me in this web3 direction and yeah. I, I more than ever before i feel like as a filmmaker and 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 someone who's finally giving themselves permission to be an artist that this is the right place for me as I try to build a sustainable career moving forward. Yeah, is the I, I agree and that's the long answer. <laughs> it's great, and I, I feel exactly the same way. Maybe tell us a little bit about getting over and what that process was like making the film and, and getting a budget, and because um, that was prior to Web3. Yeah, it premiered in 2018. And a documentary, right? Yes, yeah. It's a, it's a documentary about my family. It was uh, a... I won't say it's certainly not an easy documentary to make, but in terms of rights and stuff, it's like my family's history. So like, I didn't like, unlike other documentarians, I didn't have to go through like life rights or any of, of that stuff. So that, that, that helped make it a little easier. You know, you, you said, uh, you know, build a budget. We never had a budget. Like my budget was a running Google spreadsheet of right. just like, it like became like a checkbook register. Like every time I would spend money, put it in there. Every time we would, you know, get money from a Kickstarter, you know, put that, you know, in the other column. Like that was the, you know, like that's the official budget. Um, I had started it back in 2012, like the, the film project as it, you know, grew it, you know, grew into. And as it, you know, the final product, um, I had started in 2012 when we had our first Kickstarter, we raised $6,000 and that was enough money for me to get back to New York. The story's about my father who was a heroin addict in New York, in New York City in the 70s and 80s. And I didn't really see him much growing up. So um, before he passed away in 97, my uncle, his brother, uh, made all these videotapes, all these high eight videotapes uh, of him in his last days, uh, wow. interviewing him and just getting his whole life story. Um, me give, showing my father my college diploma was on there so I hadn't seen those wow. tapes in like 15 years so my uncle had given me all of these tapes like 20 years ago and I was like one day I'll do something with them and they sat like in the back of the closet you know for years and years um, and then in 2012 it just happened that like I felt the motivation to like start doing it um, working for Framework Studio you know part of Happy Madison you know they were always very very open to letting me pursue that stuff. You know, if we were slow, I was, you know, there would there would be days, you know, where the offline team was editing, because I'm the post supervisor. So like the offline team is editing and working on projects and stuff, and we're not de necessarily delivering anything that day. So I'd have the day to like do stuff. So like they would let me like sit and like Photoshop and like airbrush my childhood photos 
throughout the day. And if something happened, I'm in the office, like I'll go do my job. It's not like I'm like, no, I'm doing something right now. But like in those downtimes, they let me work on it. Um, so over the course of the next six, seven years from 2012 with that first Kickstarter to getting the, th uh, the picture started to finishing in 2017, um, and that's when I left the job amicably and they were like, good luck with the movie. And, and we got into South by, so I, I had been working on that, uh, for like, you know, seven years on and off. That's incredible. I, I, I wasn't aware of what the story was. Was that a, a difficult to work on? I think I joined Hollywood, so to speak, to get away from real life. And that's the opposite. That is a very deep dive into, but often those are the best stories and the, and the most uh, attractive ones to um, to audiences. Uh, so what was that difficult for you to, to edit and work on? I knew I was too close to it. So uh, I, I had to bring on another, uh, uh, not another editor, because I didn't edit it at all. Um, I brought on, and I put an ad out in, in you know, on Mandy.com and some other local places out here in LA. Yep. Um, I think I put an ad on Craigslist. And one of the people who applied for the position, um, her name was Sharon Rudder. She was the editor of Rules of Attraction by Roger Avery. Oh, who I love that movie. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. Um, and she was the editor of it. And it's so just crazy movie and it's crazy edited. You know, one of these 90s hot indie movies that Roger Avery made like right after Pulp Fiction. Um, and, and she, I live in Long Beach, California. She lived in Long Beach, California. I already loved the movie. I was like, I can't believe I have, this is amazing. And not only did we just like immediately mesh, she just was, uh, I can't even give enough kudos to Sharon Rudder for what she did in, in helping to craft the movie. And I basically, you know, one of the, the parts of the movie is I couldn't even afford to transcribe the, the, the interviews. So I was actually, this is like 2012 and like iPhones couldn't do it then. I had to speak my father's interview and repeat his words into the microphone wow. and record that and do wow. like voice recognition that way. Because wow. he also had a thick accent. So I basically did all these transcriptions of like 18 hours of stuff. And I just dropped them on her desk. And I was like, here. That's got to be kind of a mind fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's one of the... You'll have to watch the movie. One of the parts of the movie is one of my oldest memories that I thought was one thing was something totally else. Wow. Um, and, and, and that's like a real moment. Because I was like, I need to stop this and like record something. So wow. like that's actually one of the parts of the movie that's like really kind of cool. Um, so I just basically dropped this thing on her desk and was like, help, you know, see what, it, where the story is. And she took the ball and ran with it and was amazing with it. Cause I knew I couldn't be that close. And, you know, to, but to more specifically answer your question, being a post supervisor, you know, uh, technically but I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm used to watching things for technical reasons, making sure everything like looks good and QCing things that like, it was easy at some point to like distance myself from it. Sure. You know, the content of it, because I'm like watching things, you know, especially like as we got closer and closer to picture lock, I'm like watching things for like film reasons, for like notes reasons. And then I'm watching things for like technical reasons. What do we have to color in certain ways? What do we have to fix? What do we need to like record VO wise? And like the sound mixer is going to do some sound design for us too. You know, like I had to like look at all that technical stuff that it was easy to like not even worry about like the guy that's on the screen going through all this shit was me. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Right. What was the trajectory of the film after it had gotten into South By? That's also a really good question because that's one of the reasons that's kind of pushed me into Web3. 
Um, so after the after the film premiered uh, in Austin at South by Southwest 2018, that was now now the last year because um, they canceled the program. But Amazon Prime Video used to have the Film Festival Stars program. And it was basically a program, you know, when they were trying to really grow their content and try to compete with Netflix, like I said, this is about four or five years ago at this point, more than that, because it started in like 2016. So like six years ago to like four years ago, you know, they were really trying to build up their content to compete with uh, Netflix, um, which you can now see they've changed their their paradigm entirely. And now it's all original content to compete with Netflix and not like acquiring things. Um, but while they had this film festival stars program, it basically said that if you were in competition at any of the big festivals, and this was Toronto, so TIFF, um, Sundance, South by Southwest, and I think maybe Telluride or one other one, if you were in competition, we will standing offer of 100K yeah, on the table. Yeah. Um, and, and you just have to give a two-year exclusive for, for video on demand to Amazon Prime, which is yeah. to say like no Hulu and no Netflix. And you yeah. give us two years and you don't have to pay that money back, but we want you to use it for marketing and stuff and pimp people out on, on uh, Amazon Prime Video. I have a friend who works in distribution. And at that time, I believe they were just making blanket offers for like yes. 90 grand or 80 grand to all of those yeah. films, knowing yeah. that they would get that deal. Exactly. And, and, and it, to some people, it's a lot of money to others, you know, like that, that were, you know, bigger budget productions that were expecting bigger deals. You know, uh, it could seem like a low ball or a slap in the face. And, and that was just for movies in competition. I wasn't in competition. I was in the documentary spotlight, which was like the next category. Right. So our standing offer was only 25 K, but I'm a micro budget filmmaker. We all in on, on getting over was like 50, 60 K total. Yeah. Yeah, like amazing. I said, I didn't have to spend money on rights or anything. I didn't have to, you know, my, my biggest expense was Sharon as as editor. Yeah. I didn't pay myself as director. I did all the finishing myself. You Music? know, I had to pay a colorist and I had to pay I had to pay my my composer, but he was a close friend of mine that I used to work with at Apple. So Perfect. like he did me a favor, you know. So I called in all the favors for the passion project, you know. And so we didn't spend a lot. So like 25k was like a huge deal. Um if you make your independent movie for like two, three million dollars. That's a low ball slap in the face, but right. it's at least a standing offer, you know? And, right. and also, like I said, it wasn't exclusive. It was only the, the, the video on demand exclusive, but if you got theatrical distribution through someone else, like there all those other options were still available to, to, to those films. Um, so with that in our back pocket, that standing offer Gravitas Ventures, who's an independent film distributor, uh, came to us and offered a little more than the 25 K that Amazon was and basically said that they would be taking, uh, they if they got distribution, if we gave them the rights, that they would take advantage of the Amazon deal. So I was like, either way, it's going to be on Amazon for two years, and they're promising us some more money. Sounds great. So we took the deal. Um, I had a very it was a very bad experience with Gravitas Ventures. Um, they uh, I feel like negotiated in bad faith a little bit. 
Um, I, I, for, for a podcast, I probably can't go into any more detail than that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, whatever you'd like to, to go that, into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I have named names before, but that's like on stuff that doesn't get recorded. Well, maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> I think this is important to hear though. So you don't, <laughs> you don't have to name yeah. names, but, um, right. what, what should filmmakers look out for when they're making distribution deals? Sure. Well, when somebody says to you, isn't it cool that some grandma in Utah will be able to watch your movie? You can at least realize uh, grandmas in Utah have YouTube. If you, Even if worse comes to worst and you just put it on YouTube for free and don't even tell anyone about it, some grandma in Utah can still find it <laughs> and watch yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, I've had things told to me like, like do, do, do you, and again, like this is me coming, like it was my first feature. You know, to someone that might not know me, it might seem like I didn't know what I was doing, but like I've been living the, the, the Hollywood studio marketing life right. for like the last 10 years. So right. I'm like, dude, I, I, I mean, I, I know what you're trying to do. And listen, it's a different thing to know how the business works and then to be in the middle of it and have it happening to you right, where you right. have to make decisions and have conversations in the moment as things are actually developing. That's a different thing than like, knowing how Hollywood works, you know, so it's different, but I'm like, guy, like, like you're not, no, no. And then, like I said, like they, they changed the, the, the term. I, all I can say, I guess, is that they changed the terms of the agreement when they found out that I hired a lawyer and I was like, this is a contract, man. I'm not a lawyer. I right. watch law and order. Don't make me right. a lawyer. You know, like, I'm not going to just sign the deal after you, tell me some grandma in Iowa is going to be able to see it, Utah right. or whatever. I was like, I'm going to hire an attorney to help me. And they didn't like that. So they changed the terms of the agreement. And I, I really had no choice. I mean, I could have walked and just taken the Amazon thing myself. But like Gravitas was, they didn't give it a theatrical release, but it was on iTunes. You know, it's on iTunes. It's on, you know, Canopy, which is an educational platform. It's on a whole bunch of other you know, and you can buy a DVD of it and a Blu-ray of it on Amazon. So like other things that like I would have had to work for and get deals. And we still have international distribution, which has helped me. It's one of the reasons why I've put the movie up as a feature film, as an NFT. So you can go in, like I have the right to be able to do that with my, you know, with my deal. So not, not that it's blowing the sales out of the water or anything, but it's one of the things that I've done to help continue you know, to monetize the movie, you know, through other avenues. And this one just happens to be NFT. Is that because there was, there were no NFTs when you made this deal and that's sort of a loophole? Yeah, there, 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 there weren't. Yeah, it was, it was, it's just a North America deal for what it is. Um, but it was certainly before NFT time, you know, and, and I think the, the, the contract itself, it had like a, a stipulation that said I could sell DVDs and Blu-rays if I buy them from them but from Gravitas at wholesale, I can sell them on my own website or whatever. So like, as long as I like get it from them, but it was before NFTs. So like, there's nothing in there saying that I can't. Right. And if Gravitas, I, I, I can say this and I've said it before, like if they want to come after me, I've sold 12 copies of them yeah, for like 0.05 right. ETH. You want to come right. after me, knock yourself out. Right, you're going to spend right. more money filing anything than yeah. what you're going to get from me. So go crazy. So I just tell people, when I tell people it's available as an NFT, I'm like, you just have to be in international waters when you buy it. 
And it's already, you know, it's already in, in, in crypto land. So like, I already consider it not, you know, the United States. You're, you're, you're in crypto land. In crypto <laughs> so land. Like, the the I, most confusing land of all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe. You know, <laughs> can, can so I'm you going tell us for it. When, when you say it's available as an NFT, mm -hmm. unpack that for me, because that is one of sure. the things I'm keeping a close eye on as far as sure. the distribution. Um, you know, what is the Web3 YouTube? What is the Web3 sure. distribution platforms? They're coming. I'm interviewing someone next week about one, but but they sure. don't seem, um, it seems very new. And it seems like to watch films in Web3 or to download, you could certainly buy on OpenSea um, yeah. and then maybe download the file. Is that essentially what it is or something more? Essentially, that's what I've done. You know, and there are a few, and and, and I've talked to Beam before. We love the people at Beam. You know, I'm... Um, I'm I'm a very proud member of this little group of, of people that we've kind of formed over the last year called the NFT Filmmaker Squad um, that was started by uh, the magnificent Jordan Bain, who, who you should certainly speak to. Um, Jordan Bain and, and five other women started, um, five other fantastic ladies started this uh, NFT Filmmaker Squad last year. And I came into it when uh, Brian Taylor, um, director of Crank, with Jason Statham, he made a short movie with uh, Christopher Maloney from Law and Order, uh, SVU, and Organized Crime, and they made a short 20-minute movie that they put on OpenSea last year um, as like a proof of concept, trying to mess around. You know, I, I think uh, 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 Organized Crime had to shut down in New York because there was a COVID outbreak, so the schedules all aligned, and Chris Maloney was like, "Yeah, I have a week where we can do something." So they banged out this 20-minute movie. You can see the trailer. Um, they don't, you can't see the movie itself on OpenSea because it's too long and OpenSea has file size limits. Um, but there's a little trailer that plays and Jordan Bain, uh, with the NFT filmmaker squad had a clubhouse and it's now on Twitter spaces, um, with Brian Taylor and Chris Maloney. And I was just enthralled by the whole thing. And it was super, we talked about how we're super early now, a full calendar year ago, we were oh, very, yeah. very super early. Yeah. So one of the things that I've wanted to do over the last year as I've, you know, learned about the landscape and gotten into crypto and stuff like that is just experiment. And I have, I have getting over to use as, as an experiment. Um, and I'm sure somebody has done it. Other people have sold rights to feature films. Other people have done other experiments with feature films. We make jokes about people who are claiming to be the first. So I am by no means the first to do that, I think. But one of the things that I did was take the full feature film and I uploaded it to IPFS, which is decentralized file storage. It's where a lot of you know smaller uh, works of art are stored on uh, for NFTs. There are other platforms as well, but IPFS seems to be one of the biggest ones. OpenSea uses it. Um, Rarible uses it. Uh, so I uploaded the whole film to IPFS through a service called Pinata, and they're at pinata.cloud. And I had actually heard of them a year ago too, and and for some reason like I had gotten away from it and then came back to it months later. And when I came back, people still hadn't been using it this way. And I was like, oh, I, even if I am not one of the first, like I could have done it like eight months earlier. Um, but the, it's like a five gigabyte file. It's stored decentrally. I made a custom smart contract on Manifold Studio, um, which is also totally free to use. You just have to pay the gas when you do your mints and stuff and create the contract. And otherwise it's, it's still very affordable. And they have a method to point your NFT to, you know, because you can create contracts and then mint NFTs through Manifold Studio. And they have a method where you can embed 
uh, URL from IPFS. It's a little more uh, technically complicated than that, but you can access the file basically from a URL through Pinata's IPFS gateway. Um, and Rarible, unlike OpenSea, will just access that file. So I minted the whole film, the whole feature film. It's available. I made 1,000 editions just because it's a test. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try to sell a million, and I can't be a one-of-one one either because it's out and it's available on Amazon, and so I don't feel comfortable trying to, like, one-of-one one it. So I just made 1,000 editions of it, 0.01 ETH. It's like a movie ticket, you know, it's like 30 bucks or whatever, um, less than that after the last couple of days. Um, you know, just as an experiment and you can go to the rareable listing and watch the whole movie, or you can just like, cause it's just a URL. You can, I tell people, if you can't stream it, save the file. You, if you buy it, you own it, save the file and you can watch it on your computer whenever you want. So I am one of the few, at least that I know of, if not the first, certainly not the first, but one of the few that I know of that has minted an entire feature film for viewing no intellectual property or anything like that as a single NFT. What is the streaming experience on Rarible? I've not had a problem with it. One of the, one of the bonuses is because uh, I use one of Pinata's lower, uh, lower levels of service, I have to use their public gateway. So basically imagine like all the files are on IPFS decentralized and you want to go find any one of them. You have to use the URL through a gateway. And Pinata has their own public gateway, but when it's crowded, you know, like you don't get the same bandwidth because it's got to spread it out, you know, amongst that everyone going in that gate. And Rarible has their own gateway with Pinata. Like they pay Pinata for their stuff too, which is crazy because it's in the URL. So like when I upload the file through Manifold, the URL is gateway.pinata.cloud slash crazy numbers. But on Rarible, it comes up as rarible.pinata.cloud. So I think I have a little extra bandwidth because I'm going through Rarible's own gateway. Whenever I try to play the file on, on the website, it plays fine. But one of the people that has bought it said they had problems playing it all the way through. And like, try, so like, I haven't watched the movie start to finish on IPFS. Like, I'll just like load up the NFT webpage and like the listing page on Rarible, hit play and just like, it, it starts quickly enough, plays for a few seconds. Everything seems to be fine, but I haven't tried to watch it all the way through. So I've had been told it's a problem. You know, some people have had problems, but that's why I say like, you own it, download it. <laughs> you know, like I don't even feel bad if you right click save, if you've paid for it, you know? So, and, and I know that's not like a perfect, you know, uh, solution for that. Cause people don't want to have to download. And that's the whole point. Um, but that's those, those are just the experiments that I'm doing. You know, whether it works or not, whether it gets big or not, like I, I wanted to, like I saw a problem. It's one of the great things about Web3. It was one of the first things I ever heard. If you see a gap, if you see a problem, if you see something that needs to be fixed, the whole place is open source. You see yeah. something that needs to be fixed, fix it. So like we had been talking in the NFT filmmaker squad for the longest time about file size limits and, and, and all the, the limitations we have to work through. And I was like, well, let me see what I can figure out. And I don't know if it'll be a thing, but I have this content that I can use to experiment with. So, and, and not feel bad if I sell it or not, because it's already out. If people want to buy it, great. I would, I would love that. Um, but at least gives me something to mess around with. So I saw a gap there and I wanted to like pursue that. And I don't think, you know, listing a whole feature film like I did in a single NFT listing is like the future of web three streaming. 
It probably will be something like like the YouTube of Web3. It probably will be something like Beam, you know, or, or, or LivePeer, I think, is one of them. There are other, you know, Blockbuster DAO definitely wants, the, you know, like, they want, and that boy, like, we love Blockbuster DAO in this household. Same thing with Beam, you know, like, like there are options out there that are working, and not just like Netflix was, where it's like, we're going to, this is how it is. Like we're working with these people, you know, like, like beam, like, like their creators, the coders, the developers are part of the squad. Like, like we're doing all doing this together, you know, which is totally different from Hollywood developing a technology and saying, this is what it is, you know? So, so it's been really exciting from that aspect as well to just experiment and see what hits and what doesn't. And, and when, you know, the next time, you know, as we work on other projects that are, more web three native projects, you know, I can steer through the, the navigate through the space a little bit better that way, just by sure. messing around with all this stuff that I already have. As you've been navigating the space so far, can you talk a little bit about how these other web three platforms are better for filmmakers because they're, they're probably connecting filmmakers directly to their audiences. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things we love about Beam so much is like you can do, you can, you can screen your film, you know, I know Miguel Faust has done this before. Uh, uh, Luis Venegas, um, filmfrico.eth, who's a friend of ours from the squad. He's shown his movie, Elena, there. Um, uh, Cameron Van Hoy and Flinch, and they're yeah. fantastic. I love Flinch. Project. He I was on the show. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love Cameron. Love those guys. Great voice in this space. You know, I, I've spoken to Cameron a few times. I, I can't wait to be more involved with Flinch. You know, they've had some screenings on Beam, and I know there's some other plans for, for more screenings. I want to screen uh, getting over on there. I actually just emailed them earlier today to say I'm leaving work at the end of June, and I want to do more work with you guys. So they've been more, you know, it, it, it's part of it's this collaborative group effort that we've built that, like, yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way, and I've told this story before, too. When I left South by Southwest in 2018, I, and I met all these wonderful filmmakers and my career leveled up. I wanted to like, I said, I hope all these filmmakers can get together and like become like the Avengers and yeah. make like a super movie, <laughs> you know? And, and I've made some wonderful friends. I mean, some fantastic people, Liz Manishill, Elena Weinberg, uh, Duncan Coe, all, all the, just the Seed and Spark people that I've met, Drought, you know, all, yep. all the amazing folks that I've met are fantastic. But when they're still trying to do legacy filmmaking, still competing for those same spots. Like we're all friendly and, and, and I love everyone's work, but like we're still competing for those same limited spots. But here in web three, it's like, it's really iron sharpens iron all, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, we're just, you know, when we talk about what we're building, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a group effort that, you know, for our own success to build careers as sustainable filmmakers and it's a special feeling to find people that, I mean, that, that, that are more, I, I will mention the people that I've worked with, you know, in this space more than my own stuff, because like, that's the level of talent that's coming together in this space. And it's not just people, I, I don't want to bad mouth anyone say, it's not just people with, with, with cell phones. I, I, I don't mean to sound that way, but it's like, but these are people that have tried to have careers as filmmakers for many, many years and a lot of them, you know, uh, whether it be because of, of race, gender, uh, uh, financial considerations, have just not gotten the opportunities, you know, in legacy filmmaking to make a feature film or to have their voice heard. And so we've all found ourselves in Web3 
with a new avenue, you know, building a new vertical, as Jordan said many, many times, that didn't exist before. And a lot of people are resistant to it, and a lot of people don't want to play ball. And if you don't want to play ball, that's fine. If you don't think that this is digital ownership, if you don't think this is like a real thing, if you want to right-click save, like, knock yourself out. I'm not going to let pirates and nefarious actors and gatekeepers, you know, define what this space is for us. You know, those days are over. You know, so like if you don't want to play ball and, and, and get into Web3 and what it's all about, that's totally fine. I got no problem with that. Um, like I'm still, because of legacy filmmaking, very competitive. So like I'll happily, you know, take less people in this space, you know, than more. But the ones that are here, you know, have a different mindset, a different attitude that it just continually blows my mind because it's what I wanted in 2018 when my career leveled up. And, and like I said, our iron sharpens iron and all the talent that's in this space that we're just all working together to lift, our, lift ourselves up and make, you know, and push the work forward. I've always spoken about this. Like it's all, it's not just meant to like have fun in crypto bucks land and like, you know, walk around with cartoon apes and stuff. It's more than that. Certainly more than that for me, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's something completely different. And to see the, like the collection of talent this is what I always wanted, so I feel like I belong here. I don't know. That's also the long answer. Uh, that long answer was <laughs> a call to arms and, like, the, the speech from uh, Independence Day. That was amazing. <laughs> you will <laughs> never take it. Well, that's another movie. Podcast but never over. Take We're done. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and it's just, was... <laughs> I mean, it just comes down to, you know, like, the, 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 the time for keeping gates is, is over. We're going to do it ourselves now. And like I said, I'm a micro budget guy. And so I'm trying my own thing. And that's the best part of all of this too, is like flinch is a different project from Kayadita is a different project from keepers of the Inn. is a different project from late night dreads, which is my show, which is a different project than the absence is always present, which is my NFT feature film. And that's different from, from Jordan Bain's red flags. Like, so, and, 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 and crystal Schrader's lucid, like, they're all such different things. And, and then to choose, you know, it's a choose your own adventure book where you can push your own work forward, augment the work itself with a completely original project concept that augments the work itself. And to have the ability to do that is just like, I mean, come on in. The water's fine. Like, this is fun. This is fun, you know? And, and can I and just I can hire you to be my spokesperson? It? You know, can I hire you to be like, I need some marketing help. Like I, I talk a good game, but boy, like I, w I, I wish more people knew about this stuff. Um, but that's the best thing about Web3 too, is I'm steering into the scarcity. That's one of the things that's different about my projects. Like I don't need, you know, as a filmmaker, I don't need like, yes, the in, in theory. Yes, we always want to have as many people as possible see our work. But here in Web3, like, like there's something totally different and new that never existed before. So I'm steering into the scarcity and, and, and trying to create work that, like, that I, I want people to want to see, but not everybody can get a hold of it, you know? And that's a different thing that, like, it's kind of antithetical to what we always thought about as filmmakers. Like, we want as many people to see our stuff as possible. But now it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to do many different things uh, at the same time, um, but like I'm gonna steer into that as one of the the, the benefits of Web three is scarcity. Staringintothescarcity.com. 
I think you got to get it right now. <laughs> Sign up. Yeah. Or .io. I mean, or .xyz. .io, .e, I, I love XYZ. the three domains. Yeah. yeah. I love a .show, a .world. These are like 10 years ago, I looked at those and I was like, what do you even need these for? But now, like, I love .show. Like, yeah. if I'm doing a yeah. show, it's .show, baby, all the way. <laughs> I'm cognizant of your time, but I, I want to get into Upstart oh, no Film Collective just, this is a, and, this and is an Nifty extra... Film. Obviously, you're involved in all these other Web3 projects, but you're building your own as well. So can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about what you're building and, and how that's helping filmmakers uh, start starting with you? Sure, sure. So, you know, not not to sound like I'm shilling too much, but I, I think I appreciate the opportunity to talk about my own stuff a little bit, too. You know, uh, one of the things that didn't really exist when I got involved in this was, uh, you know, big PFP projects. The Bored Apes wasn't really a thing when I first started. Like, it came out, like, the first month that, like, I got involved in this. And so, like, it wasn't anything when it first started, at least on my radar. Um, and it's turned into a whole thing. And a lot of projects have been born from that. It, it doesn't really speak to me and what I want to do. So, like I said, I have Late Night Dreads which is, uh, uh, it's an eight episode anthology series um, that me and my friend are shooting that are meant to be, it's like, uh, we're patterning it after a baseball card set, a limited edition baseball, because I'm a baseball card collector. So like, there's going to be a base episode of eight different shows, and then there'll be limited versions of the shows that will come with uh, commercial licensing rights, um, the, the, the opportunity to be on the show or be involved in the show or write for the show. Um, like there are one of ones that will, um, we hope to, and are in conversations with some of our, we have, my team has some personal friends that are not super A-list actors, but you know who they are, um, that, who are busy and are interested in getting into this, but still they like, they have to be very particular about the work that they take. Um, so they want to see if it's successful or not. But we're, you know, like if you buy a one of one of a particular episode, we'll airdrop you the celebrity cameo version of it. That's just for you that no one else, you know, will have, you know. Uh, so other little benefits like that, you know, to try to, you know, make the limited uh, editions more enticing um, with more involvement and more behind the scenes access and stuff. Um, so that's one of the projects that I'm working on. I'm also in the early stages of working on my feature called The Absence is Always Present. Um, it's not uh, the most exciting, much like my documentary uh, being about drug addiction. Uh, absence is about um, uh, infant loss and, uh, uh, and grief and, and stuff like that. Very indie stuff that, that no you know, independent distributor these days would, not that they wouldn't get behind it, but like it's certainly a long road to hoe. It's not like a fun Kevin Smith comedy. It's a hard right, right. movie to sell. Um, and that's a longer process for me because I'm still working on the script. So I'm dropping my own video experiments and my own photography and work along the way. And as the as I go along with the script, I'll be offering more, you know, more artwork and stuff around, uh, you know, the topic of grief and loss to have something to do with the movie. Like I said, it's like a choose your own adventure about picking like a concept. So that's the current concept of the film itself is to hopefully sell works to raise money to do the feature. But unlike a Kickstarter, there's no time limit for me. It's one of the great things. Like I, like I've had, I have this at like a, a two or three year plan to bring this to fruition. 
um, you know, while I work on the film and bring people into the project. So that's a longer term project. Other things are in development. So stuff that's very different from all the other things that have been, you know, offered out there by other people. Like I said, what I'm doing is different from Flinch is different from, you know, what you guys are doing as well, too, I'm sure. Um, so, that yeah, that's what I'm trying Upstart to do. Upstart Film Collective? Upstart Film Collective is, and I guess it is confusing because originally Nifty Film was going to be a different thing. And then it kind of developed into what it is now as like a production company thing. But Upstart Film Collective has been uh, my production company for the last 25 years. Um, we've done a whole, like my feature was done under that banner. We've done shorts before. Um, we're a Stephen King dollar baby. We made a Stephen King short film for Night Surf back in 2001. Um, so that's been an entity as a production company for about 25 years now. But then I started Nifty Film as like, I originally wanted Nifty Film to kind of be like the Dow structure that a lot of people are talking about now, um, where it would be more of a, a collective of independent filmmakers where like Kickstarter, instead of giving to one particular project, you could like buy a token or like buy like a horror token or a comedy token and have your funds go out to multiple filmmakers. I love um, that. For yeah. fundraising and things like that. But I don't have a developer or anything. And then like as I was getting more involved in the space, like my experiments just kind of took me down a different road. So like Nifty Films started off as a, a different thing. So now I just kind of use it as like an all-encompassing umbrella for all the NFT projects we do. Yep. So, I mean, it's a two-man team, but Nifty Film is a wholly owned subsidiary of Upstart Film Collective. <laughs> I'd like to touch on the, the podcast you're doing because that has to do with filmmaking and mental health. And I, I think that's yes. important to, to talk about. Yeah. I, I also host a podcast uh, called Head Above Water, um, a filmmaking and mental health podcast. Because, uh, you know, as I was meeting more filmmakers coming out of South by and, and, you know, getting more involved in, you know, not just NFTs, but just the independent scene, you know, uh, coming out of a full time job for in, in Hollywood marketing for 10 years. I just, I'm an independent filmmaker at heart. So like, I just got really, you know, uh, involved in the scene. And I just found that very few people, I mean, we all kind of, again, it's part of the gatekeeper thing, I guess, but like, we all talk about how hard it is to make a movie and it's goddamn near impossible. So whenever I meet someone that's like, I finished my movie, can you help me with festival, you know, if you, can you consult on festivals or help me with post or whatever? You know, I'm always like, it's amazing that you even finished a film. Congratulations. You deserve all the kudos in the world, right, short feature right. or otherwise, all the kudos to anyone that's ever finished a film. Um, so I wanted to talk to people about their experiences making, uh, you know, a, a film because it is very nerve nerve wracking. You know, and I use the term mental health. It's more of a wellness thing. I don't really take a, a, a you know, I'm, I have a psychology degree. I don't have a film degree, but like, I'm not a psychologist, you know, uh, it's not a clinical approach to the show or anything. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, I want to describe it accurately. It's more of a wellness thing and to talk, talk to people about how they keep their sanity while trying to make an independent film and, and juggle all those balls in the air you know, while trying to take care of yourself inside and out, especially a feature can be very, very, very nerve wracking. So and what's the I answer? Found, you know what the answer is, is try not to have the stakes be so high yeah. is what I found that it is. That's the common thread that runs through throughout the people that I've met. Um, and here I am making a documentary about my father and his drug addiction and a, a narrative film about infant loss yeah. that like try not to raise the stakes for that. Yeah, I, that's that's yeah. my that's that's my weight that I carry. 
But I, I spoke to uh, you know one of my friends. His name is Charlie Tyrrell. He's a, a, a filmmaker in Canada who who's done just some amazing shorts over the years. And I spoke to him once because uh, he made a, a short film called My My Dead Dad's Porno Tapes that I think was on the short list for uh, uh, Academy Award for documentary short subject. Um, if it wasn't nominated, um, Charlie, I'm sorry if I've forgotten. Um, but it's a fine film narrated by David Wayne, and it's about you know him learning about his father after his father passed away. So I reached out to him and got in touch, and we've spoken a few times over the years. And I was like, how did you deal? And I haven't even had them on the show yet, and I need to. Um, I was like, how do you, how did you deal with like making such a, a heavy topic of a film? And he was like, you have to try not to have the stakes be so high, man. Like, you, like, it, and not everything has to feel like it's the most important thing that has to be, right. you know, that thing. And, and, and for directors, they often have a singular vision of their films and it becomes, especially as you're in production, it becomes a very obsessive thing to right. make things exactly the way you want. And when you have that singular vision, which is what makes many direct, you know, what makes, you know, some of the greats, the greats, it also, add, that's where the anxiety comes in. The, the dissonance between reality and what I'm imagining I want this thing to be. And that's where the dissonance comes in. And to try to minimize that stress. That's why I try to, I try to make my move, my movies, like I try to call it like the four Oh five, like there's five or six different lanes that I can take, but they'll all get me to the same place. So I try to use that mentality to try to like not have the stakes always be so high. Different different strokes for different folks, different things for for different people. But that's been the common thread that I've seen throughout the people that I've spoken with is to you know the the key to reducing anxiety um, and stress when you're making a movie is to just try to like at least as much as you can try to lower the stakes a little bit in your own mind and not have everything be so damn important <laughs> yeah oh i think that's great and advice. That's, i mean that's difficult that's difficult it's not easy to do so thank you so much for coming on the show today uh, sure I, I have a feeling this conversation will continue of, of everything we've talked Absolutely. about there's um where do you want to point people yeah like nifty film is the thing right now it's all nifty film all the time i mean for the podcast you can go to headabovewaterpodcast.com um and listen to all the episodes right there it's available on Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, all Apple podcasts, all your podcast platforms, it's available. Or you can go to headabovewaterpodcast.com, listen to them there, download them as well. Uh, check out all our past shows with our guests. Um, I've spoken to some amazing filmmakers like Ben Berman um, from the Amazing Jonathan documentary and Numa Perrier from uh, Jezebel. And she's done a couple of episodes of The Wonder Years and she has a Netflix movie coming up. So I've spoken to some great people over the years. Upstartfilmcollective.com's the primary. But right now, yeah, niftyfilm.io. I have some tutorials up there if you're just getting started in, in crypto and, and NFTs um, on how to make a MetaMask, how to get started with Manifold. The whole process of what I did with getting over as an NFT from a, a smart contract with Manifold to minting through them and uploading through Pinata. I have tutorials for all that, as well as a marketplace for all the stuff that I've been putting together that are on you know both Tezos and the Ethereum blockchain. Like uh, It's a, a unified marketplace uh, right there. Um, so yeah, niftyfilm.io. Check me out on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter at TheRealCharnik or at niftyfilm underscore IO. Um, if you have any questions, anybody's always welcome. The DMs are always open. You know, I love helping people. Uh, I, I, I love talking about NFTs. I love talking about things that get me excited like that. I get very excited about independent filmmaking as well. So I'm 
always down to talk to anybody if anyone has any questions. You know, I have a Saturday Twitter Spaces um, at 11 a.m. Pacific time. We'll have to have you on that to talk about your project uh, sometime. Likewise. That's oh, be a yeah. Blast. We're, we're doing Twitter uh, Spaces all day. So yeah, let's Twitter do Spaces let's do is them. the whole thing. So, yeah, you will ha- you can come on to one of my Saturday Saturday matinee with The Real Charnik, and we'll talk about that on behalf of the, the NFT Filmmaker Squad. Um, so, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, guys, if you have questions. And uh, I'm not going anywhere. That's the thing about the NFT space in Web3 is, you know, when we do say we're all going to make it, like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, we're not all going to make it. I think a lot of these people that I've met right now will all make it. Some of the people that might be coming in and trickling in as, like, time goes on might be different. But, like, I'm here for the long haul because, I you know, I mean, I, I've been involved in the web, you know, since 1997, and I still host my college project from 1997 on the Upstart Film Collective webpage on upstartfilmcollective.com if you want to see my old college project webpage like i'm here for the long haul you know i missed out on i used to work for apple i missed out on 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 getting in on all that delicious apple money because i was a broke-ass filmmaker that i couldn't afford my stock options when i worked at the glendell store when it first opened so like i didn't want to miss that opportunity again so we say we're early but like i knew i had to jump in on this i love being here i love meeting other filmmakers you know, there is strength in numbers. We're growing every day. The squad's getting bigger. The space is getting bigger, you know, but but the people that are involved in it now, you know, uh, we don't all know what we're doing because we are experimenting. But the one thing we do share is a love of film, a love of filmmaking, and a love of helping other people out. And that's usually antithetical to the world of Hollywood, helping other people out and, and kind of altruism. Like, it exists, it's just more, you know, we've just found ourselves, you know, in Web3. So come on in. The water's, the water's fine. Reach out. 